0: Check. check, one, two, check, check, check. Check one, two, check, check, check. Check one, two, check, check, check. Check one, two, three, check, check. Check one, two, three, four, check, check, check. Check, check. Check. I'm not here. Joe? Me? Are you gonna to go to that one's mine and it's got my password in it on
1: Yeah, and I, you know, Joe, I mean,
0: it may <laughs> take me a while to get this figured out, okay. but I got to back up. Yeah, I I uh, it's that we we'll have another like that where are because. I was hoping that. I can't, be, I can't have a gallbladder attack again, yeah. so. Because I don't have one. Okay. Like Try this, yes. Okay. James chapter 2, we've been doing a series on Abraham. Abraham, uh, he was called God's friend. And we've been doing a series on, on being the friend of God, what it would be like and look like to be God's friend. And, and I would say this, that, that you can be God's friend. And God wants, he wants community with you. So much so, as we just observed, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have fellowship with God, so that we can have communion with God. And Abraham was a a man who the Bible says three different times that he was the friend of God. And so we're going to just briefly review this morning. And then we're going to look at another important quality in in relationships that Abraham had. An important, very important uh, ingredient to to friendship this morning. So James chapter 2. And if you're wondering why my voice is gone, if you're a guest, if you're new here, I'm a high school wrestling coach. And we had divisionals this past weekend. And so uh, we were gone, left Thursday. We're gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we have quite a few of the wrestlers here from Cedar and from Canyon View. Both both, uh, teams represented. We have some wrestlers here. And uh, they sent both Cedar and Canyon View, by the way, all the way up to Roosevelt and Vernal. Um, And it's supposed to be called a regional. But somehow our teams were the teams that had to travel almost to Colorado And uh, on a bus through the Wasatch Mountains, and uh, this is when you know God has a sense of humor, um, because our bus ride that should have been probably five and a half hours, ours on the way up, we left on Thursday, ended up being a seven and a half hour bus drive, um, because we got into snow. I mean, blizzard snow, blizzard snow, up through that sixth by Spanish Fork, we went up that way, and... um, And then the road was closed at one point, so we had to turn around, backtrack, and come back around and go up a different canyon. I didn't know where we were. But you say, why does God have a sense of humor? Well, our bus driver had this really cool accent, and I thought, what a cool accent, and found out he's from London, England. We also found out that being from London, England, he's never driven in the snow before. (laughs) And so here we are, Canyon on one side, canyon on the other side, blowing snow, snow, you could barely see it. I mean like cars off the road, trucks off the road, no plows. We're plowing the snow in this bus. And he starts hitting the brakes, you know, and we're like, dude, you can't be hitting the brakes. And I we're like, where are you from again? He says, you know, I can't use the act do the accent. He said, London, England. And we're like, have you ever driven in the snow? Nope, never driven in the snow before. So we had to give him an education on um, downshift, please, you know. Uh, And that's when you know that God truly does answer prayer, because God was answering prayer. Uh, We were praying the whole way, but by God's grace, we made it, amen? (laughs) We made it, and then we had to come back through it. And uh, at 1230, we got home last night, and so I pray I have energy and a voice to share God's word with you this morning. So James chapter two, notice what this scripture says. And we have it here for you as well. It says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions, were they were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham, notice this, Abraham believed God. He, he trusted God And it was credited to him as righteousness. And notice this statement. He was called God's friend. Abraham was called God's friend, the friend of God. Three times in scriptures, we've been going through this series. I won't mention the passages, but three different times, two times in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah mentions it as well. And then here in the book of James, it says that Abraham was called God's friend. And so We've kind of said this is it should be our desire to be called God's friend, to be the friend of God. We're reminded of Jesus, even with his disciples. As he was here on earth, he said to his disciples, he says, I no longer call you my servants. Do you remember, what he said he said, I call you my what? My friends. Can I just tell you something or remind you of something that that God sent his son, Jesus Christ and and the Lord Jesus Christ came. And and there's a reason for that. And that is this, is that he desires God desires a relationship with you. He desires fellowship with you. God desires to be a friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. God is not interested, and you may not like this, but God is not interested in religion. God is interested in a relationship with you. Somebody say amen there. Man, there's so much religion, and that is not what God desires, and that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, is because he says, I want community with you. I want fellowship with you. I want an intimate relationship with you. He said, "I, I call you my friends. And Abraham was called the friend of God. And so each week we went through an, a, a number of, of things, qualities about Abraham that caused him to be called the friend of God. The first one was trust. Do you remember that? And we said that trust is the foundation of, of any relationship, that trust is the foundation for friendship, that there must be trust. Obviously, we must put our faith and trust in God. And, and Abraham believed God. He trusted God. But also in a a very practical way, in our relationships, in our friendships, let me say this, in your marriage, as parents uh, trying to raise kids, if, if if we do not earn their trust, then let me tell you something, that relationship is going to be on sinking sand. It is not going to be a stable relationship. So you must guard uh, in every way possible. You must guard the, the, the trust that you have for each other. Never tell each other lies. Don't lie to one another. Do not deceive one another. There should be no secrets. Amen, church? Because you're establishing this, this, this relationship that's built on a rock of trust. There must be trust. I'll, I'll keep saying it every time I review, but let me say this. Do not do anything to jeopardize the trust that you have in one another and in your friendships and in your relationships. We said this, that trust can be is lost in buckets, but restored in drops. It takes just one, 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 one thing can just destroy a trust that people have in you. Abraham trusted God, Abraham obeyed God, there was this submission, it said he submitted to God, even so much so, he was willing, because he trusted God so much, he submitted to God, when God said, take your son, your one and only son, and take him and offer him as a sacrifice, and do you remember in that whole beautiful picture of Abraham being the father, Isaac, a a man in his 30s, most likely around 33 years of age, who was willing to go and lay himself down on the altar. He could have resisted his father, but he didn't. And we see that Isaac is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And on the same exact mountain there, uh, on Mount Moriah, the same exact mountain where Abraham offers up his son Isaac is the same place that Jesus Christ was offered by his heavenly father as the sacrifice for us. And remember what Abraham said, He said, I believe that God would even bring my son Isaac back from the dead. That's how much I trust my father. I trust him so much to be willing to bring him back. And Isaac is a picture of Christ who willingly laid himself down on that altar. Abraham was an aged man, an elderly man. We see Isaac carried his own cross, if you will. He carried the wood that was going to be used to offer him up as a sacrifice. And he said, Father, you have the knife, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham said this, what a prophecy. He says, son, he says, God will provide himself the lamb. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that lamb. Amen. What a beautiful picture in the Old Testament. But Abraham submitted to God. In your relationships and in your friendships, understand this, it's submitting one to another. People don't like this, it's not popular. But in your marriage, there should be submission. And the scripture says in Ephesians, submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord, submitting one to another, submitting to each other's needs, submitting to each other's uh, uh, leadership and in, in the leadership that God puts into our lives. Submission is important. It's something that that our culture today wants nothing to do with, but can I say this to you? It is so important and understand it like this. It means this is that in a relationship, in friendship, that there's give and there's take and that you're submitting one to another. Amen. Not just take, 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 take. If you're in a relationship or a so-called friendship that one person is doing all of the taking and all of the taking and all of the taking. Can I tell you something? That is not a healthy relationship. Abraham, the Bible says, was a loyal, loyal to the Lord. He had no friendship with this world. He was a pilgrim. He was a stranger. And the idea is this, is that the Scripture tells us in James that we cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God. You see, you have to choose your friends wisely, and we will spend an entire week on, next week on this, on just a very practical choosing your friends and what to look for in your friendship and how Abraham chose his friend and chose his friends wisely. But understand this, you cannot be a friend of this world because this world is full of the things that will distract you and steal your heart from the things of God. The lust and the pleasures and the things of this world will steal your heart from God. And the Bible says this, that one of the names of God is this. One of his names is I am jealous. You know, a lot of people never knew that that's one of the names of God. But one of the names of God is his name is Jealous. Could you imagine if, if uh, someone said, we we, just, we have a child and he was just born. Well, what would you name him? Oh, his name is Jealous. You'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, like, that's an interesting name. But the idea is this is that we know that there's many names for God that the scripture uses, you know, like Jehovah and and Yahweh and and Elohim and these different names of God. He's called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides and he is a God who provides and we we will say, oh, the Lord, he is is the Lord who provides, yes, he is. And he is Elohim and he is Yahweh and, and we'll say, and he is, you know, Jehovah and we'll have all these names for God. But the one we forget about is that. That, the, that one of his names is, say it with me, jealous. God is, gets jealous. But that's a healthy thing in a relationship. That's a healthy thing in a relationship. You say, are you a, a jealous husband? Absolutely. You should be. Amen? Come on now. Yes. I'm not sharing my wife with someone else. Come on now. Amen? Absolutely not. And so God, he, he, he says, listen, the things of this world will steal your affections away from God. And God says, I love you, and I've given my life for you, and, and I want to have this communion and fellowship with you. Don't let the things of this world steal your affections from him. And this morning, we're going to go to Genesis 18. So very brief review, but Genesis 18. Here's another one. So here's the words we have so far, qualities. We said trust in a friendship. All right, we said this, submission, submitting one to another, loyalty, loyalty is so important in our relationships, in our loyalty to the Lord. Now, here's another one for you, communication, communication, communion, community. Genesis chapter 18, one through eight, I want you to notice an amazing passage of scripture. It says this, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, and while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, it says, Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them. And he bows low to the ground. He said, I have, he says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. Do not pass your servant by. Now, Abraham recognized this is the Lord. The Lord is here and there are two angels with him. And he says, uh, let a little water be brought, and then you may all uh, wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. He says, now that you have, have come to your servant, he says, very well, they answered, Do as you say. So Abraham hurried uh, into the tent to Sarah, and he says, quick, he said, get three says of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. By the way, he said the finest flour. Now remember, how hot is it? It's in the what part of the day? The heat of the day. It's the hard, hottest part of the day. And he comes in to his wife and he says, hey, start baking some bread. By the way, Sarah must have been an awesome wife, amen? She immediately starts getting the finest flour and she starts kneading it and she's going to bake the bread at the hottest part of the day says, then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice tender calf and he gave it to the servant. And he said uh, to who hurried to prepare it, hurry up, prepare this. And then he brought some curds and some milk and, and the calf that had been prepared. And he set it before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Let's just pause for a moment. Get this picture. The Lord is coming to Abraham with two of his angels he comes to Abraham, and as Abraham sees them, he's, he runs out to meet them. He's in his tent. It's hot, and there's a group of shade trees, and he's kind of just sitting there. And when he sees them coming, he realizes that, hey, the Lord, this is an opportunity to spend time with the Lord. And so he immediately runs out, and he says, may I bring you some water so I can wash your feet? Can, I, uh, can, we, can we feed you? And the idea is this, is let me ask you something. When you invite someone for dinner, right, what is that, what is that whole idea of that? It's to hang out. It's to have fellowship. It's an idea of community. We're going to be having a potluck after church, right? So what do people do? Usually when you hang out, there's always food involved, right? Christmas, food. Thanksgiving, food, right? New Year's, food. Super Bowl, food, right? Valentine's Day, food, you know? You take your wife out or chocolate or something, right? And so food is all, that's like a part of it. And so Abraham says, I want you to stay. And think about this though. Abraham, Abraham is desiring fellowship with God. He invites him to stay to eat in the fellowship. He drops everything that, that's going on and he makes time for God. It was not convenient. It was not a convenient time. It wasn't like they already had food made. It was in the heat of the day. It's hot. But he runs into into his wife, Sarah, and he says, Sarah, hurry up. We have special guests here. Make, please make some bread. And so she does it. She submitted, you know? Wow. That was awesome. And then he runs out, and he finds the best cap that he can, and he's going to give the Lord his best. Let's look a little bit farther in this chapter. Skip down to chapter the same chapter genesis 18 and notice now there's going to be a conversation verses 16 through 33 so after this time of hanging out and visiting it says and when the men got up to leave they looked down towards sodom and abraham notice what he does he walks along with them to see them on their way he wants a little more time i'll walk with you Now notice, here's going to be some communication. There's going to be some talking back and forth. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he begins to share with Abraham. He says, here, Abraham, this is your future. And this is what I'm going to do. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. By the way, that's the nation of Israel today, by the way. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. How will we bless through him? the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He says, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see What they they, they have done is bad as the outcry that has been reached to me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham, notice this, he remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him. Here he comes. He's going to come and speak to the Lord now. The Lord was speaking to Abraham. Now Abraham's going to speak to the Lord. And he said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there's 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge, he calls him the judge. How do we know this is the Lord? He says, will not the judge of the earth do right? Wow. These are some strong words. Abraham's, have you ever had, by the way, in friendship, friends can speak truthfully with one another. If you have friends who only tell you what you want to hear, they're not true friends. Abraham's kind of saying to the Lord, is this right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And then Abraham spoke again. Now they have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, he's like, you've given me this freedom and this liberty to speak. Though I am nothing, he knows who he is, I am nothing but dust and ashes. And by the way, let me say this, we are blessed to be able to be the friend of God, but may I say this, may we never ever get to a place where we lose our reverence and respect for who God is. You see, God's desire, please understand this, and this is the fear of the church of today. The fear of the modern church is this, is that we are bringing God down to man's level instead of man saying we need to be elevated to God's level. I'm not saying to be God. What I'm saying is this, is that we have made God nothing more than just another human being, just a man. He is not. He is God. He is the judge of the earth. He is all righteous and holy. And he is almighty God. Amen. Amen. And so we must not ever lose our reverence and respect. And, and, and become so familiar. Yes, we should know God and have a, a communion with God. And we call him friend. But there still should be a reverence for him. He says, "What?" He said, would you destroy the whole city for a lack of five people? He says, if I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. And by the way, I need Abraham the next time I buy a car or a house or anything else. Boy, that dude is good. <laughs> Amen. Wow, that guy can bargain, man. What I mean, man. He was able, oh my goodness, I need this guy in my life. But Abraham had this relationship with God, and he spoke if you will, not irreverently, but in reverence. He called himself but dust, but yet he still spoke boldly. Do you notice the word boldly numerous times? He boldly spoke. He spoke truthfully. You know, in our relationship with God, there's times where we can just, as the friend of God, just be honest. There are numbers of times where I've just had to just like talking to God and calling out to God just. And you know what? It's awesome because God is our friend. And he can take it. And he can handle it. Abraham literally said, this wouldn't be right. This is not right. This would not be righteous if you were to just, you know, destroy all of them together. And and it wouldn't be right. Abraham had communication with God. This communication was a two-way street where he is speaking to God and God was speaking to him. May I say to you that God is no respecter of persons and God through His Word desires to speak to you and God through His Holy Spirit desires and does speak to you. Amen? He desires for you to communicate and talk with him. And obviously we call that prayer. But can I just tell you something? Prayer is just a a word that, yes, we use. It's in the scriptures. Yes, it's a word that we use. But prayer is simply this, talking to God. You talking to God. And God, through his word, he speaks and he talks to you and I. And through his spirit, he speaks to us. And Abraham had this encounter with the Lord, where the Lord is speaking to Abraham and even reveals things to Abraham. And then Abraham then speaks freely and speaks to the Lord. He listened, but he also talked. By the way, most of the time, and for all, a lot of us, I think most of our communication with God is us doing all the talking and doing a very little bit of listening. Have you ever known a person like that? Have you ever been in a relationship where they never listen to a word that you say? But then they do all the talking and you better listen to them, right? Right? a long time ago, distant relatives, she's already passed. One of our relatives, and she was one of those people, she'd never listened to anything you say. One time I even just tested her. You know, I just tested her, and she, she's like, oh, how are you today? And I said something like, something about, you know, like basically I just found out I had like leprosy or just something silly. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And then she just went on talking about everything else, you know, and I was like, yep, she just wasn't listening, you know. I just, was just wanted to see, really, was she really listening? She's like, oh, that's so nice. And then she just went on with telling me all about, you know, whatever she was dealing with. We all know those type people. But may we not be that way in our relationship with our, our Heavenly Father. Amen? That we don't do just all the talking. By the way, that's why you're here today is to open the Word of God, to hear the Word of God to read the Scriptures and to hear the Scriptures and hear from the Word and the Holy Spirit. And throughout your week, I'd encourage you to have communion and fellowship with God. Let me give you another very quick example because we're running out of time. Another example is Moses. In Exodus 31, 18, I just want to give you a couple examples, and then we'll go to one other passage. But in Exodus 31, 18, listen to these words. It says, notice this, when the Lord finished doing what? Speaking to Moses. On Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant law and the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. By the way, we have the word of God. Amen. But the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and we know that Moses had communication and fellowship with God. Now look at Exodus chapter 33 and verses 7 through 17. But what I want you to understand is this in Exodus 31, it says that when the Lord had finished speaking to Moses and we don't have time to go into all of this. But here's what I want you to understand from Exodus chapter 19, when Moses went up to the Mount Mount Sinai to to hear from God, we have 13 chapters of God speaking to Moses and Moses listening. And then God gives him what we know as the Ten Commandments. So for 19 chapters, God is speaking to Moses, and, and these are just the things that we have recorded. But he's up there for 40 days. He spent 40 days on the mountain. And many of you know the story that the people thought maybe he was dead, and they wondered, where is Moses? And they, 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 they were tired of waiting for them, so what do they do? They get a calf, and they begin to worship the calf. And so Moses comes down off of the mountain because he was interrupted by what the people were doing. But Moses is listening to the Lord, listening to his voice. But look at this in Exodus 33. Some people have maybe never seen this, but it's in the scriptures. It says this in verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent, and he would pitch that tent outside the camp some distance away. And I love this, calling it the tent of meeting, the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And Moses went into the tent, and the pillar of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord did what? Spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the the entrance to the tent, they they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. So they begin to worship. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one, will you say it with me, who speaks to a what? Friend. Isn't that amazing? Abraham's called the friend of God. God speaks to Moses as a friend. By the way, the scripture says God is no respecter of persons. It means this, that God desires to be your friend and to communicate and talk with you through his word, through the Holy Spirit, to communicate with you, like he did Abraham, like he did Moses, and I hope and understand that maybe you have experienced his voice in your life. Amen. Elijah, we don't have time to go there, but he went also to the Mount of the Lord, the same place where we see here Moses, Mount Sinai, and he says that he was in, had an encounter with the Lord, and it was through a still small voice. May I say to you, most of the time, God speaks to us through a still, small voice. He speaks to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit. But notice it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua also was there, and later we know that Joshua becomes the next leader of the children of Israel. What we see here is this, is that God desires community. God desires communion and fellowship with us. God desires to speak to us. And he desires for us to speak to him. We call that prayer. Moses had what was called the tent of meeting. Can I tell you that Jesus, he said this. He called it a prayer closet. How many of you remember that in the scripture? He says, if you have needs and if you need to go to the Lord, he says, go to your closet. He says, go to your closet and speak to the Lord and ask him. And I love what he says, go to the Lord, he says, in a private place and ask him and watch what God will do for you out in public. That's called the tent of meeting, so to speak. Amen. Jesus said that you, just like Moses, just like Abraham, Jesus said God desires for you to have what we see here in the Old Testament, a tent of meeting. But what he was saying is, Jesus said, find a prayer closet. Now, does not mean that you have to have a closet that says the word prayer over the top of it? And unless it says prayer, well, then you don't have that prayer closet. No. The idea is this, is that God desires for you to spend time with him, to get alone with him, to have just an intimate time with him. Whether it's, listen to me, you could be in your car and have communion and fellowship with God. By the way, the, the best communication my wife and I ever have is when we're sitting in a car on a road trip, especially if there's no cell coverage around, right? We get in the car, we're both sitting there, and there's not all the distractions and all these things, and we're sitting there, we get into traffic, you know, say a few words I shouldn't say, then she tells me not to say those words, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness or whatever. San Diego traffic, you know. Um, and, but you end up, you just, you're talking. You're communicating. This is what God desires from us. Communication is key, right? Do you know in your relationships, communication is key. In marriage, one of the, the, one of the first things, one of the first things that will happen in a marriage that will begin to fall apart is this a lack everyone say it with me of what communication we know this in any relationship once there is a lack of communication that that relationship is now on dangerous ground communication is so important it's not just in your marriage but it's in your relationships in your friendships as parents and children, can I just say this? Some of you are here with kids, and maybe your kids are downstairs. Some of you are here with your teenagers, and I know what it's like, and, and, you'll, and, and this is what happens. And a teenager, and you guys are going through hard times. You're going through things. I get it. I understand. I was a teenager like 10 years ago. I still remember. It's awful. But you're having hard times, and you know what? Your parents will say, well, how are you doing? How was your day? Fine. You doing okay? Yep all good yep as a coach it happens all the time I can tell when guys maybe limping or something's going on you're right yep what's going on you good yeah I'm fine I'm like well you need to communicate what's going on let me see and I look in her ankles this big you know it's like okay we need to do something about that you okay yep good you're all right fine And the people in our life who can help us and want to help us, we oftentimes, we close them out. Can I say this? Communication is so important. Young people, communicate with your family. Communicate with your parents. Communicate with the people that love you. In your relationships, communicate. Parents, sit down and talk with your kids and listen. Is, is, are we listening? Church, please. Amen. Are we listening? It's so important. Once in a while, just take an hour and take them somewhere where they want to go and just listen. Communication is so important. And may I remind you of something that God desires to hang out with us, to eat with us, to fellowship with us. Jesus called his disciples and said, I'm here. I desire to be in this place with you. And he went to the upper room and he broke the bread and he fellowship with them and he spoke with them and they spoke with him. And God desires the same for you and I today. He says, I call you my friends. Let me just give you just this one thought. What if we treated our Bibles like we treat our cell phones? What if when you left it at home, I promise you this, and I know you're going to say, well, my phone has my Bible on it. God, I know that. Yeah, I do that too. But what if we left our Bible at home versus when we leave our phone at home? How many of you turn around and go back when you leave your phone? How many of you go almost nowhere without your phone? Whenever there's an emergency, you use your phone, right? You immediately use that phone. Do you know the average American gets on their phone, the statistics say, the average American gets on their phone 96 times a day. Some of you are like, that's it? That's all? 96 times you get on your phone. The average American, this is average American, United States of America, gets on their phone, his average time on the phone a day is five hours a day. Well, I don't think that's true and I don't believe in your meddling. Well, go check your screen time. You can find it real quick. By the way, every Sunday mine pops up and I have to pray and ask for forgiveness, you know? (laughs) How many of you, did yours pop up today? Anybody else? Yeah, mine popped up today. But I'm like, that's work. That's work. I study on that. I, I'm doing research on that, and I'm, I'm calling people on that. But, but here's the point I'm making is we, have, we, make, we put five hours a day on our phones. Come on, right? We get on our phones on average 96 times a day, some more, some less. But here's the point I'm trying to make is, is this. Is that Yeah, do we use that phone to communicate? Do we receive text and send text? Can I tell you something? How about the text of the Word of God? that God is trying to send us and that God is reaching out to us. Can I tell you something? God loves you. He loved you so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and I so we can have communion and fellowship and relationship with the Father. He has loved us so much that he has given us his word so that we can have communion and fellowship with him. He desires for us to come into community with him, to be in his word, to be in fellowship. And I just want to ask you this question. How is your communication with the Father? How is that? How is that doing? If we were to say to someone, well, my wife and I, we just don't communicate. There's no communication whatsoever. We'd say, oh, that's, that, that's not a good place to be. we got to work on that. Can I say this? In your relationship with God, to be called the friend of God, can I say this? We need to be working on our communication with God. Amen? In his word, in prayer, spending time with him, and knowing this, that God loves you and he desires to be your friend. And just like when you have communication with friends, you're sending them a text, you're, sending, you're keeping them involved in your lives, God wants us to allow him to be involved in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you.